0: Fears surrounding COVID-19 are backfiring on Democrats in a pretty bad way, mostly for Nancy Pelosi. And I don't want to pretend like it's only Democrats that are worried about COVID. I think most people have some reasonable concerns about it. But it is statistically true, at least from Gallup polls, that Democrats are way more fearful. Now, what's happening is that Republicans won a bunch of seats in the House, giving the Democrats a very slim majority. Nancy Pelosi would like to be speaker of the House again, but she's got some problems. You see, some individuals have tested positive for COVID, and there are fears that when it comes time to vote, enough Democrats will be out sick with COVID and Nancy Pelosi won't get the votes she needs. But it's more than just COVID. fears; actually a lot going on. Republican victories are creating a very dangerous situation for Nancy Pelosi and establishment Democrats because- Progressives don't like Nancy Pelosi, and they've been given some very strong leverage against her. Any way you cut it, things are looking really bad for Pelosi. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I got a normalcy bias. I wouldn't call this an optimism bias, just normalcy. The Democrats are going to line up behind Pelosi. She's going to get the votes, but things are precarious. And there is a possibility that with a minority House representation, the Republicans get the Speaker of the House for Kevin McCarthy. Because, as I mentioned, there's a lot of fears around COVID-19. Now, the crazy thing about this, this is the detriment. This is a problem of the Democrats' own making. Democrats are the ones who have been screaming about the fears of COVID. It's been the Democratic governors shutting everything down. And it's typically the Democrats that are terrified of this. And I'm not saying terrified to be disrespectful, but they literally are. The Gallup poll I just cited shows that only around 5% of Democrats feel safe to go out and get back into the workforce. Republicans overwhelmingly are like, let's get on with it. I think typically you'll see among moderates and Republicans a concern about COVID, but a realization that locking everything down just didn't work. And you have to accept that, well, we're going to have to get back to work. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart. So long as Democrats keep pushing nonsensical policy, you will hear stories about their nonsensical policies backfiring on them. You want to whip everybody up into this tizzy and this fear over this virus? Don't be surprised when it backfires on you, because it's not just about these Democrats saying, I'm sick, I can't come in. It's about what would happen to them if even if they they aren't sick, they still came in to vote. Well, then Democrats are going to be like, you're going to get everybody else sick and Republicans are going to take over, basically, because because realize this, even though the Democrats have a slim majority, enough people calling in sick or being unable to attend votes could help the Republicans. Now, I suppose there's some way they can remote uh, they can remotely vote. There's been some talk about this. I don't know exactly where we're at, but the official story is COVID-19 could complicate Pelosi's path to speaker next year. Add to this. Two new House members are declining to say they'll back Pelosi for speaker. Nancy Pelosi may reap what uh, what she has sown with constantly playing these games. The progressives are angry about a lot of things, but I'll tell you this right now. The stimulus package that's supposed to go through, the Democrats are blaming Republicans for it. But here's the problem for Democrats. We see through the games. They knew unanimous consent would never work and they wasted our time. Nancy Pelosi said, "Okay, if everybody wants two thousand dollars, unanimous consent without dealing with the pork in the bill, this bloated garbage bill that gives our money away when we are most desperate. It's not going to work. I think a lot of people are going to get sick and tired of the political games and you add covid into the into the mix. Pelosi very well may lose Speaker of the House. So this could get a little weird and crazy. But let's let's read the news and see what's going on before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. We've got a P.O. box if you want to send some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video if you like the work that I'm doing and think this information is important. I got a lot more to talk about than just this, too, because the problems that we're seeing in Congress, it's I, you know, I, I've been for a long time saying it's civil war among Democrats. I think the focus should be on Pelosi right now because she is in the majority party in the House. She is speaker. And it's not like Mitch McConnell's going to lose, you know, leader, you know, party leader in, in Senate majority. Once, of course, they lose in Georgia. So we'll see how that plays out. But the the, the conflict within the political party establishment, the establishment political parties, it, it's affecting both parties. Republicans are starting to tear each other apart as much as Democrats had been. So this is going to be, you know, uh, interesting conversation. Well, I shouldn't call it conversation, but interesting segment, to say the least. If you think it's good, please share this. Don't forget to like, subscribe to the notification bell. Let's read the first story and see what's going on with Nancy Pelosi potentially losing Speaker of the House. The Hill reports as Speaker Nancy Pelosi seeks the support of. To keep the gavel for another term. Her allies are keeping close watch on a potential wild card that could complicate her path next month, COVID 19. Pelosi is already facing a much slimmer majority in the next Congress after Democrats were clobbered at the polls in November, meaning she can afford far fewer Democratic defections than the 15 who opposed her two years ago. She might actually lose this. Wow. And lawmakers must be present on the House floor to cast their vote for Speaker precluding the option for members to vote remotely, as many have done throughout the pandemic, so they can't do it this time. The combination of factors creates the chance that Democrats could face a dilemma on January 3rd in which Pelosi locks up Democratic support to remain speaker. But coronavirus concerns, illnesses, quarantines or otherwise, prevent a sufficient number of them from being in the Capitol to log their votes. A failure. Of Pelosi to secure support from half the voting members would be at the very what would at the very least throw the process into chaos. In the Democrats nightmare scenario, the math could tilt so far in the Republicans favor that it yields a GOP speaker. That would be absolutely incredible. And I'm not saying incredible because I support the Republicans. I got a lot of problems, with Republican establishment. But just think of the absurdity Republicans maintain control of the Senate. Joe Biden's president. The House is a Democrat majority, but with a Republican speaker. Wow, that would be nuts. Quote, let's just say theoretically we had six or eight people out with COVID and the Republicans have none. They probably could elect Kevin McCarthy, said Rep. John Yarmouth, a Democrat, referring to the House GOP leader. Lawmakers were reminded of their vulnerability this week when five members of the House tested positive for COVID-19 bringing the total number of infected lawmakers to at least 35 since the pandemic hit roughly a year ago. With that in mind, Pelosi's supporters say it's an outbreak over the holidays, not Democratic detractors that poses the single greatest threat to Pelosi's otherwise expected speakership victory next month. We're in a health care crisis, right? No one can get sick. That's the X factor, said one Democrat, a Pelosi ally who spoke anonymously to discuss a sensitive topic. We need everyone to be healthy. That's the big fear, because I'll tell you what, let's say republicans get sick. So what? They're the minority party anyway. They're not going Kevin McCarthy's not going to be the speaker. It's the the problem arises if democrats get sick. Now if both get sick then the point is moot. But combine potential covid illness with defectors of which there were 15 last time around, adding two more you know house newcomers who are already saying they won't support pelosi Things are starting to look pretty bad for Pelosi. The press progressives are gaining substantial leverage and many progressives, notably Jimmy Dore, have been demanding a floor vote on Medicare for all, which they could do, but they won't. Why? Even many of these progressives who are in Congress are establishment shills who are just trying to maintain their careers. So they're playing ball while pretending to care about you. The same is true for Republicans. Many of these Republicans who voted no on the omnibus spending bill did so knowing it would pass anyway. And they can just pretend like, oh, geez, oh, no, look, I voted no, but they don't really care. It should have been a resounding no for this garbage, but it gets through anyway. And nobody read it either. That's nuts. they go on to say some of those fears are being assuaged with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine to protect the uh, uh, continuity of government. House and Senate lawmakers now have the opportunity to receive a vaccination in the Capitol from the attending physician. Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader McConnell were among the first to get their shots on Friday. Quote, as the vaccine is being distributed, we must all continue mask wearing, social distancing and other science based steps to save lives and crush the virus. Pelosi tweeted alongside a photo of her getting the vaccine. People are criticizing AOC for getting the shot before a bunch of other people, and they're criticizing Republicans for downplaying the virus and getting the vaccine. Okay, if you want to if you want to claim that and criticize Republicans for downplaying this, then this is absolutely a covid panic backfire on Democrats. Republicans going to get the vaccine. They seem to got no problem criticizing it, but still getting the vaccine. And I don't think the hypocrisy works all that much. This idea, look, you can say it's not that big of a deal and still get the vaccine. You might not be worried that the flu is going to wipe out the planet and you'll still get a flu shot. That's just not an argument. It's the Democrats that are overwhelmingly pushing this fear that have used it to try and win this election. So I tell you this throughout the entire past year, they have been using covid to change election rules because they wanted Trump to lose. And you know what? It looks like it worked. A lot of people are concerned about a lot, a lot of irregularity, error and fraud. Now, I'll tell you this because I've got a bit more in the segment to talk about Republicans. Bill Barr said there was fraud. You want to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt and say that it changed the outcome. We need to get it into a court, get beyond the procedural hurdles, which have held Trump back. But I'll tell you this, man, I've said it before. They oceans 11 Trump while you're all looking in one direction. They've been planning this for a long time. They knew COVID freaked people out. They knew that an opportunity. And I'll tell you why. When they say no, mail-in voting was because people were scared. No. In Pennsylvania, they passed mail-in voting in October of 2019, well before anyone knew anything about COVID. That's when Act 77 got passed and they created the no excuse mail-in voting system. The Democrats were planning this for some time. When COVID happened, they exploited it to expedite their plans. That's my opinion. Sure. But they were already planning mail-in voting for some time. They said they want to make voting easier. Well, using the fear of COVID is backfiring because now you're going to have people who are going to be like, I don't know, I'm sick. I can't. I can't go. I can't show up. I can't vote. And maybe. Maybe. It's the perfect excuse for some politicians who don't like Pelosi to avoid the blame. This is where it gets spiced. Check it out. If a politician doesn't doesn't vote for Pelosi, there might be a backlash. If Kevin McCarthy, GOP, becomes speaker, that's tremendous power for the Republicans, people are going to get mad at any Democrat who didn't support Pelosi. Now, naturally, I think the people who support progressives, who vote for progressives, probably don't want Pelosi to be speaker of the House. But these people, some of them are careerists. So, you know, 15 voted against her. But think about this. There may there may be some moderate Democrats who hate Pelosi and will just be like, oh, no, I'm sick. I can't come in. And it's the perfect excuse because their constituents, Democrat voters, are worried about covid. And that's a perfect opportunity for people who don't like Pelosi to knock her down a peg or two to make sure she doesn't get the speakership. Now, I'm not convinced it's an actual plausible scenario because I would assume many of these Democrats don't like McCarthy, you know, more And so they'd probably want to show up. But if there's any inkling that they have covid, they may have no choice but to sit this one out because their constituents would freak out less so if a Republican did it. I don't know, you know, to what extent this will actually play out. Honestly, I think Pelosi will probably still win. But we do have the potential for more progressive defectors, which could mean Republicans win this one. They go on to say many House lawmakers told The Hill they've been able to stay healthy all year by sheltering in place and avoiding the Capitol completely. Emergency rules pushed through by Democrats in May have allowed lawmakers to vo- vote remotely or by proxy. That, that's meant elderly members, those battling cancer and other illnesses, or those caring for small children, have not needed to fly back to Washington each week for votes. On December 18th, for example, nearly 90 Democrats voted by proxy. But the proxy voting rule expires with the new Congress, requiring lawmakers to be in the Capitol in person if they want to participate in the January 3rd floor vote for speaker. The House will adopt a new rules package governing the 117th Congress just after the speaker vote. Oh, no, man. That makes physical attendance tantamount to Pelosi's success. Since Democrats are on track to have a razor thin majority, 222 seats, And at least three moderate members of the caucus are already on record saying they don't intend to vote for Pelosi. That's Connor Lamb, Jared Golden and Alyssa Slotkin. Complicating the math, several Democrats have ongoing health concerns unrelated to COVID. Now, that's that's a bummer. You know, I hope everybody's staying healthy. A handful of COVID cases on top of that. Some fear could sink Pelosi's prospects. Well, there's more. There's the internal civil war. Check this out. Two House newcomers declined to say if they'll back Pelosi for speaker. Cory Bush and Jamal Bowman were guarded in their remarks. They say rep-elect Cory Bush and rep-elect Jamal Bowman both deflected under questioning on CNN State of the Union. Quote, I am going to make sure that voices of the people of St. Louis are heard and we have what we need. And so you will find out then, said Bush, who defeated Rep. William Lacey Clay Jr. in her district in August before winning easily in November. Dana Bash then turned to Bowman, who ousted longtime rep uh, Elliot Engel in the state's Democratic primary in July. Bowman was no more forthcoming. You will find out when my vote is tallied. And again, organizing with our community to figure out what's best, he said. Pelosi, the only woman to serve as Speaker of the House, will be seeking her fourth two year term in the position. Democrats have a small overall majority, having lost at least 10 seats in the November election. And some Democrats, including Louisiana's Cedric Richmond, will be leaving at some point for positions in the Biden administration. Many people are leaving. This could be very, very bad news for Pelosi. And you know what? I'm not going to shed a tear over it. I really don't care. The majority of look at this majority wants Pelosi out as speaker. Most Democrats support the speaker staying on for a fourth term in charge of the House. Politico reports a new Politico morning consult poll shows most Democrats think she should keep the gavel. But a majority of voters oppose Pelosi staying on as speaker. Only 31% of all voters think Pelosi should be elected as speaker when the new Congress begins, while 56% think she should not. Self-identified Democrats say the first woman House speaker should stay on by a 20-point margin, 53 to 33 the amount of Democrats who are sick of Pelosi is substantial enough that the Republicans and them together means most people do not want Nancy Pelosi. And I am right there. And I'll tell you this. I've said it before. I defended Pelosi in the past because I thought AOC was was playing silly games. I'm not a big fan of AOC. I think she's a careerist. But I think there are some good people on the Democrat side. Just maybe maybe they're wrong or ignorant or you know, look. I think uh, I, I think Tulsi Gabbard is pretty good. Rashida Tlaib has my respect for voting no on the omnibus spending bill, and probably because of the the uh, amount of money going towards uh, families. I think the real reason to vote no is because of all the bloat and pork and the, the nonsense that's that's jammed into it. We need a bill for the people, and not to be giving away our money to time when we're at our most desperate. But there, there there's a handful of Democrats who have done some good things and are worthy of you know uh, getting some credit here. Pelosi exploited our goodwill. She was obsessed with Trump and she was screeching at the top of her lungs and she could not shut up about it. All these moderate Democrats ran under under the notion that they would be supporting kitchen table issues in twenty eighteen. And I believe it was thirty one one taking back Republican districts that Trump had won and that Republicans had won flipping Democrat. And then what did we see? Nancy Pelosi's obsession with impeaching Trump, a waste of our and everyone's time. And it did nothing except we saw Democrats defect. Jeff Van Drew, a Democrat, a moderate, switched parties and he won re-election. Just goes to show you the progressives are saying the, the all of the swing district Democrats who supported Medicare for all ended up winning. But I don't think it's as cut and dry as that because Jeff Van Drew won and that made a huge statement. They didn't think he was going to win because he's not strong enough Republican. No, but he showed principle mattered. Nancy Pelosi is is off her rocker. She brought the Democrat. She took a Democrat majority and she crushed it with her psychotic obsession with the orange man. Imagine if she actually came forward and said, we are not playing these games. And then Mitch McConnell, who's been blocking basically everything the House has been passing. Yeah, it's been just jammed up the whole time. Then she could have had an actual argument against him. But all the Republicans have been doing is obstruction. But I tell you this, it is not just Democrats, my friends. Let me let me let me first be fair to the Republicans. And then I'll talk about the Republicans and their problems. Check this out. GOP lawmaker attacks Pelosi for pushing $2,000 stimulus checks demanded by Trump. They're, They're they're trying to play this game. Many people in the media, Trump demanded a 2000 stimulus and the lawmakers are attacking Pelosi for it. Trump said, cut the pork. The nonsense garbage like 10 million for Pakistani gender programs and give the money to the American people. The Democrats offered up an amendment that all it did was increase payments and then said, there you go, unanimous consent. And the Republicans were in uh, between a rock and a hard place. Pelosi was just yanking our chain. She knew they could not support it because if the Republicans said, fine, just increase another two, you know, what, what is another one point eight trillion dollars or whatever or not one point, it's like 1.5 trillion more, some ridiculous amount of money stacked on top of the already massive $2.3 trillion bill. And they would have been attacked by their constituents for the obscene amount of expenditures. And because Trump said, cut the bloat, Pelosi was playing a virtue signal game and wasting our time. And progressives called her out for it. So my respect to those who did. They said, what we need is a substantive reform to this bill to get rid of the garbage and get the American people money, not a stupid game played by Pelosi. Now, it's not. There's other Republican reps who are also saying basically this Pelosi stuffed bill with pork, hindering their support for two thousand dollar checks. Trump said it. Republicans said fine. Not all of them. Rand Paul was speaking out against this. But Trump said, get the American people money. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a fan of massive trillion dollar spending packages that it, that that just extract the value of the American people and give it away. But if we're in this crisis, the Democrats made it by shutting everything down and going against the science. We were all okay with 15 days slow the spread, but now they've gone kind of nuts. The economy is in 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 ruins in many of the blue states and big cities where they say 71% of the voters voted for, you know, Joe Biden and they produced the economy. Well, great your democratic leadership destroyed all that. So forgive me if I don't care when you bring up that stat. But they they made this problem and now they're suffering the results of it. It's their own fault. You you if you want a clean bill, then you need to get rid of the bloat because the American people need the money. So here's my point. I don't like borrowing trillions of dollars in, in our own value, but if the money is going straight to the American people to keep the economy, you know, moving a little bit for the time being at least the people are borrowing against their own buying power. That means it's going to hurt them in the long run, but people need relief now. You could get 2700 bucks per person if the nine hundred billions went to each individual, but they're not doing that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. That Republicans are perfect and they're saints. I will defend Republicans because 56 voted no on the omnibus bill and only two Democrats voted no. So at least you have some Republicans, whether it was legitimate or not, saying no to this garbage. Pelosi is virtue signaling, wasting our time and causing these problems by not producing a clean bill. But okay, okay. She'll, she'll, she'll come out with a, with a clean bill and we'll see if Republicans will step up if they get rid of all the omnibus bloating garbage. We'll see. I'm not convinced. I think Republican or Democrat, you know, they 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 it's all spinelessness. Let me show you this. Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger says Trump is trying to burn the US and is throwing a temper tantrum with his fraud claims because he can't handle losing the election. Here's his tweet. Trump tweeted this. The Justice Department and the FBI have done nothing about the 2020 presidential election voter fraud, the biggest scam in our nation's history, despite overwhelming evidence. They should be ashamed. History will remember. Never give up. See everyone in D.C. on January 6th. Let me tell you something. Is there evidence of voter fraud? The answer is, oh, yeah. And there's a lot. And Bill Barr said it. Is it widespread? Well, some of the evidence suggests it is. To what degree, though, did it change the outcome of the elections or flip anything? We honestly don't have conclusive evidence. I know Trump supporters say definitively all the time that they think, you know, it's there. It's there. I think we have a lot. I think it needs to be, you know, adjudicated in a, you know, presented in a court of law. And we need to see it laid out. There have been many documents, and I think they're shocking. The problem is much of this evidence is circumstantial evidence. That's the challenge. So present it. Trump can't get past procedural issues in these courts, and that's the real challenge. But Bill Barr said it. He said there's fraud, but to this date, we have not seen it on a scale that would have changed the outcome. What we need now is a legitimate inquiry. What Trump supporters have rightly pointed out is that instead of looking into the evidence to to now and do the hard, full scale investigation, Democrats are trying to run out the clock. That is fair. In Maricopa County, there was a, a subpoena, there were subpoenas issued for the voting machines to do a forensic analysis. That's what you need to find definitive proof. And it was blocked. The, the, the county voter you know, elections board or whatever said, we'll see you in court running out the clock. So we won't know. And it's weird because I would appreciate some investigate investigatory transparency. Here's what Republican Adam Kinzinger said. My God, trying to burn the place down on the way out because you can't handle losing. No evidence. Nothing but your temper tantrum and crazy conspiracies. Embarrassing. Talk about oh, I, I, this guy's lying. Look, he says all this talk about January 6th from from Donald Trump and other congressional grifters is simply explained. They will raise money and gain followers by blaming everyone else, knowing full well they can't do anything. It's sad and an utter scam. Restore our GOP. No, you get out of here. I'm not going to play games. With the dude who's outright lying. There's no way this dude, a Republican, truly believes there's no evidence because I am not a Republican. I do not like the Republican Party. I voted for Trump and there's a big difference. I did vote Republican. But it's, but it's for, for a variety of issues, and I probably won't in the future. I voted Democrat last time I voted. I'm an independent voter. Most people recognize that, but whatever. I cannot believe that this guy has not even Google searched it. I can't believe that he knows as much as he does about January 6th and what Trump is saying, and he never looked into it. Because either he's telling us right now, either he is completely incompetent and incapable of reading the news, or he's lying. I'm going to go ahead and say the guy's probably lying. It's a virtue signal. He is signaling to people that he is not part of that hardcore Trump base. The, the, the lines are being drawn between the establishment crony politicians who are like, I will say whatever I have to say to get elected and those with principle. You can look at uh, I believe her name is Lauren Boebert. Maybe I'm getting your, your name wrong. Lauren Boebert. There's a new wave of Trump supporting populist Republicans, and they are calling to object on January 6th. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with what they think or what they believe, but you can see they're very willing to put up themselves on the, their principles on the line and stand up for what they believe in. This guy is saying something, hoping that when all is said and done, he's betting Trump's going to lose and he's going to say, see, look, I was I was on the side of the establishment. Yeah, go for it, buddy. Maybe the establishment will win. Sure. Fine. But let me tell you something. If you think the Republican Party survives without Trump, I'm sorry. I think you were wrong. Let me show you this story. Why these Fox News loyalists have changed the channel to Newsmax. Why? I seem to recall many news stories saying that Tucker Carlson broke all-time cable TV news record uh, ratings history, ratings records, 5.3 million viewers per episode, the highest we've ever seen in cable TV. Now, there's more, there's a bigger population, but you'd think with cord cutting going on, people going digital and watching channels like mine, they wouldn't be watching cable, but man, did Tucker really pull it off. And then something happened. Fox News played the establishment game and their ratings tanked. And now they're losing to CNN and MSNBC. And that is brutal. But people have flocked to Newsmax and One American News. Their ratings have gone through the roof. Newsmax doing really well. Now, a lot of Trump supporters are upset with Newsmax for Newsmax for the way they've taken things. But I'll tell you what this shows. It shows that the party is supporting Donald Trump, not you. The Republican establishment is in for a rude awakening, and I don't think they're going to win in Georgia. I could be wrong. I thought Trump was going to win. Okay. We'll see how things play out. But, you know, Joe Biden, they, they, you know, he, he, he won for all intents and purposes that we get in the official vote counts. And we can, we can have a discussion about, you know, all the evidence and anomalies and everything. That's, it's, 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 so, so look, I'll, I'll leave it at that. You get the point. I don't know if I'm going to be right about Georgia. Okay. But I think without Trump, And this betrayal from the GOP, this they're now kicking Trump in the back, in the butt saying, we're done with you. We don't need you anymore. But they're wrong. So many of these, many, many Republicans in the House realized that and they signed the, you know, the Texas lawsuit they signed on saying they would support Donald Trump. Well, I'll tell you this. These these Republicans that are defying Trump and insulting him, they're they're going to lose. There's a reason why we saw a new wave of Trump supporting Republican populists who did win primarying their opponents. There's a reason why Republicans didn't lose a single House seat, and they picked up many seats. Trump coming out and saying $2,000 for the American people, defying the GOP, who initially wouldn't offer that sum of money, clearly shows something. It shows that Donald Trump is not the same as the Republican Party. The Republican Party doesn't like Trump, and they're trying to wash their hands of him. But 90 plus percent, on average, Republicans support Donald Trump. So keep playing this game. And the GOP is going to crash. So I tell you this. I know that I I started this video talking about Pelosi. And I think that's relevant because, look, I've already done videos about Trump, you know, losing or whatever. And and Republicans gaining, you know, making victories across the board, which have been good for Republicans. Right now, the game is Pelosi's to lose. The next big election is for Speaker of the House. That's going to be happening on January 3rd, I believe, before the recall. uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the runoffs in Georgia, not the recall, the runoffs in Georgia. This is the next big play. Will Nancy Pelosi be speaker? Fifteen defections like we saw last time around. And the answer is no. And it might be Kevin McCarthy. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the Republicans don't get enough. But that, I, it's possible with covid and the fears that they were pushing. Well, it may just backfire on Pelosi. They're the ones who have repeatedly called for special rules. I, I could be wrong. It's been a while, but I thought Republicans rejected the remote voting thing, too. It doesn't matter. They they want to use this to cause fear. And now it's going to backfire on them. And, you know, you reap what you sow. Ultimately, I think the establishment is, is about to get a rude awakening. Nancy Pelosi represents the establishment. She does. And so does Joe Biden. And right now, the Republican Party establishment is in for a rude awakening in Georgia. The Democratic establishment is, is in a rude for awakening two days before on January 3rd, when Nancy Pelosi may actually lose speaker. But look, I'm not going to pretend like Kevin McCarthy is some like bastion of populism or anything. The parties are currently facing a populist revolt, and it's been going on for some time. We'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at ten a.m. over at youtube.com/slash timcast news, which is my other channel. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, and I will see you all then tomorrow. The deadline has passed, and Donald Trump did not sign the COVID nineteen relief bill. I don't know exactly what happens next, but many people are saying that unemployment benefits are going to end and many people are now going to be left holding an empty bag. Six hundred dollars was better than nothing, they say. Well, Trump said he would not sign this unless the payments were increased to two thousand dollars and the pork was removed. Pork, uh, for example, ten million dollars in Pakistani gender programs, which I can't understand why right now that's what we're proposing, but sure. What Trump really refused to sign was the omnibus spending package. And there's a really important argument about the ineffectiveness, the absurdity of Congress. Right now, you've got all of these crooked people trying to launder their money for their pet projects. And and, so, and a lot of it is legitimate spending. Don't get me wrong. It's an omnibus spending package. It's not all Pakistani gender programs. But why? Why? Ten million dollars. And then we also hear people say things like five hundred million to Israel and things of that nature. And there are actual arguments for some of this foreign aid, particularly with Israel. We want them to have a, a, a strong military to protect themselves. But at a certain point, as our boat is sinking, we can't be throwing life rafts to other people, saying, "You know, here you'll need this eventually," and we don't. And ah, uh, and then we sink, and you know, go to our demise. Look, I think Congress is broken. I think the Democrats have been playing dirty games and now the American people suffer for it. And I'll tell you what the real problem is. It's that the look, Democrats rely on low information voters. It's a fact. One simple point to prove it. They tried to get 60 Well, they advocate for 16 year olds to vote. Come on. No one in their right mind is going to argue that a 16 year old is a high information voter. Now, certainly there are some 16 year olds who are very savvy, but they just started working for the first time. Uh, you know, a a regular job unless they worked for a family business. But the idea that a 16 year old is going to make sound uh, fiscal decisions when it comes to spending money. Sorry, just not true. The Democrats know that their voters have no idea how this works, no idea how they're being sold out and how their wealth and their value is being stripped away from them. But don't get me wrong. Republicans voted for this thing, too, because Republicans are basically the same thing. It's the uniparty. Then you have Trump. Now, a lot of people are criticizing Trump over this because Trump's budget proposal looks a lot like the omnibus spending bill, at least in terms of some of the foreign aid that Trump himself criticized. But maybe Trump proposed the budget and then maybe he said, we can't spend this money. I don't care. By all means, criticize the guy. The point is, we've got a serious problem right now. And the right thing is not to sign the bill, at least in my opinion. I've had critics say, Tim, you live in a giant mansion. What do you know about the struggles of regular people? They should they they need this six hundred dollars. Well, I'll be honest, it's not a bad point. I'm certainly not desperate and starving, and I absolutely need to recognize that. But I'm worried about what happens when Democratic governors, mayors are the ones who destroyed the economy in the first place and then tell you, I am going to steal the money out of your pocket and give you a little bit back. And you should thank me for it. And their voters are so blind out. The system is, is working, not all of them, but many of them that they say, yay, it's the Republicans fault this is happening. You don't get to destroy the economy against the science because we already saw one of the top World Health Organization doctors saying lockdowns can be avoided and should only be a last resort. And then people argue, well, what is a last resort? Do we do it now? Do we do it later? If we can avoid the lockdowns, we should because it's going to keep happening. The lockdowns clearly didn't stop the, the you know, the the first wave. It made a low and then it came back. And many people say, well, it's because we eased restrictions. Okay, well, then listen, if herd immunity isn't going to work, if locking down isn't going to work, then what do you propose? We lock our doors and then wither away and starve to death. I suppose that's it. What they're demanding, many of these people, Who are saying that the Republicans and Trump should just sign on to this, is they're demanding trillions of our dollars be stolen from our pockets, given away, not all of it, but much of it to foreign countries, much of it to ridiculous programs, to to certain, well, certain institutions where people already have hundreds of millions of dollars stored. I don't want to get too specific, but there are some prominent institutions that many people have pointed out are sitting on coffers of like 600 million and then demanding massive relief, a lot of the money which will go to their, you know, their executive boards and things like that. That's ridiculous. Of the 2.3 trillion, only a couple hundred billion go to the American people. So listen, I I don't know what the right answer is, okay? because I know that there are people who are saying I don't care about any of that. Steal everything you want from me so long as I can pay my rent now. But then what? Your savings is gone. Your your wages are effectively being lowered by this. So I try to explain to, you know, to, to some friends of mine, they they, they they always talk about how we need to increase salaries. for Everybody we need $15 minimum wage. I'm like, great. When you print money like crazy, like they're doing now, and then give a bunch of that away, you are devaluing the currency, effectively lowering the wage of the working class and giving your buying power away to other people. It is a massive extraction of wealth from the American people. And I tell you, man, these 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 Democrat friends of mine, they're so obsessed. They're like, well, you know, regular people don't have wealth. I'm like, bro, I am not saying they're wealthy wealth. I'm just talking about the things they own in general, your car, your small business. You might have a small business valued in, you know, maybe you maybe you have a, a hot dog stand and the total or hot dog, hot dog shop. The total value of the business estimated like 100K. That's destroyed. The value of that taken away, you lose your building in New York when people can't, can't pay the bills anymore. They, they forced to, to to leave and vacate the, the offices and their other buildings. And the city laughs. Bill de Blasio is like, now we're going to buy it up for pennies on the dollar. That's what they're doing. They are stealing from you and then dangling a tiny portion of that back in your face. Less than 10 percent of the money they are taking will go to you. Now, some people might argue we have to do it. We have to do the foreign aid or the foreign aid is really a small percentage of the omnibus spending bill. And I'm just like, I don't care. Don't the American people come first? I get it. I get it. Some of this spending is for critical programs and infrastructure and things like that. that I get. And the defense bill, which was like 740, I think it was like 740 million, wasn't even nearly as big as a stimulus. We need national defense authorization, things like that. There's a lot of arguments we can make politically, but the question is, Do we watch the whole system burn down around us because we're effectively being held hostage by Democrats, not Republicans? See, the number one trend when I started filming this was Republicans don't care. Well, I think that's true for a lot of them. Absolutely. Especially the ones who voted yes on the uh, uh, the omnibus spending package. We are at our lowest moment. This country has been brought to its knees. Now there's people saying that China's on track to overtake the U.S. much faster than we, than we previously thought because the lockdowns have completely decimated our country and our economy. And China isn't doing the same. So we're just falling. And that's maybe it's the back end of the bell curve for, for America or whatever. But we are just falling to our demise. And what do we do? Are we supposed to just sit here, wither away and collapse? It is not Republicans who have shut everything down. Some have. It is mostly the Democrats who did it. And then when you were at your worst, the police came in, shut down your business and allowed Hollywood like that viral video to set up their own business. They allowed people to go out and dance and cheer for Joe Biden. But you can't run your business. Then they come out and say it's the Republicans fault. You're you're, you're destitute. And these people just don't know or they don't care. The Republicans are bad. Yeah, a lot of them. Fifty six voted no on the omnibus spending bill and they get attacked for it. The left says, see, they don't care about you, but maybe they were saying, I don't want them stealing money from your pocket. Trump came out and said, get rid of the pork, get us $2,000 to the American people. And you know, what the Democrats did Nancy Pelosi, instead of offering up a clean bill, offered up an amendment to smack Republicans in the face with a virtue signal stunt. She knew would fail. And now Democratic voters blame Republicans. Y'all, you need to realize Republicans, for the most part, don't care about you and Democrats don't care about you. And that's about it. What Nancy Pelosi did was she called for a unanimous consent, meaning everybody needs to say aye or yay to support it. And anybody who objects stops it. So she offered up an amendment to increase payments to two thousand dollars per person with nothing to get rid of the pork and the bloat. So naturally, Republicans were like, no. We're not going to vote for that. You're nuts. You want to increase the bill from $2.3 trillion, You want to tack on another like $1.4 trillion? That's insane. And then when Republicans said no, they went, oh, oh, no, look, the Republicans are blocking us. These people are psychopaths. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you need. It is Democratic governors that destroyed the economy in many of these states. And now that you're suffering, they're saying, don't look at us. We're doing everything we can. Yeah. To strip the buying power out of our savings accounts, offer up a pittance to the American people. And then when Trump comes out and says, get them more money and get rid of this bloat, they don't. They do a virtue signal they know will fail. So they can go, oh, oh, me, oh, my, the Republicans are so bad. Yeah, you know what? I think they're all bad for the most part. But I'll tell you this. There are two Democrats who voted no on the omnibus bill. And there are 56 Republicans who voted no. So that shows you where my bias comes from. The omnibus bill was a mistake. I'll tell you what we should do right now when people are suffering and desperate you got two point three trillion dollars. I tell you what, it's very simple. A good amount of that money does need to go to general spending. OK, it's an omnibus bill. So, so things go to legitimate programs. The foreign aid right now. nah. you've got to secure your own oxygen mask before securing the mask of others. Now, there, we, we could have a debate over providing military aid to other countries that I get. You know, 500 million to Israel is a lot of money, a lot of money. Are there concerns about destabilization and potential for rising conflict if we if we don't meet these obligations? Perhaps, perhaps. 10 million dollars for gender studies in Pakistan. No excuse. And there's a lot of other things like that too. Another 15 million for democracy programs. I'm sorry, man. I don't know what you think you're doing. But if this country has been brought to its knees and is facing widespread mass eviction and 12 million people becoming destitute, then we can't just start giving money away to other people. America has to come first. Otherwise, America won't be around to help anybody. And, you know, it's funny when I say America first. I'm actually not a staunch nationalist, as many of you know. I do think there's a good argument for some foreign aid right now. But some of this stuff makes literally no sense. None at all. Here's the story from from uh, from Kiro seven. Two key federal unemployment programs expired early Sunday as Trump refused to sign a $900 billion aid package. The president continued to resist signing the measure, arguing that Congress needed to increase the size of relief checks from 600 to 2000. The expanded unemployment benefits in the relief package affected more than 12 million Americans. Trump also criticized the $1.4 trillion government funding bill that was attached to To the covid relief legislation, you see how they do this? Trump rejected the covid aid package. He rejected the whole thing. And maybe that was the right call. Are we going to just live under the boot of Democrats forever? Or are we going to stand up and say no? This is the problem. The Democrats are the one who shut down the economies in major key states, affecting massive swaths of the population of this country. They're still doing it. And they're arguing that they have to in New York City, people who own restaurants are arguing it's against the science. Don't take it from me. The actual businesses in New York are saying the contribution to covid infection rate is like one point four percent. It's 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 minor. Why are they being shut down? And other uh, other, you know, other areas of the economy which have higher infection rates are being ignored because Cuomo and de Blasio don't care. For one, I think they're spineless cowards who don't want to take responsibility. The other is, I just think they're, they're happy to do it because their budgets, many, many of these states were already failing, and now they have an excuse to be like, the federal government needs to bail us out. And they're, they're, you, know, you know what they're doing? It's like, you got a little kid, and he's like, I want ice cream. And the mom is like, you can't have ice cream. Like, I'll hold my breath. <gasps> and now the kid's turning blue, and the mom's like, I'm not giving you ice cream. And the kid's going, <sighs> it's like, you're hurting yourself. And they're doing it because they want to extract from you. Is it the fault of the red states that didn't lock down whose economies are doing all right that New York did and that they should pay the bill for New York when New York goes against the science? What about when Cuomo put sick people into nursing homes? New York was the hardest hit. It is the fault of these people. They then come out and blame the Republicans for everything. I'm sick of it. It's trash. They say early Sunday, Trump retweeted a video that showed him complaining about the COVID-19 relief bill. You want to rag on Trump for his budget proposal? By all means, do so. But when he comes out and says no to this, then you can call him out and say, OK, fine, Trump, it's what you wanted. We'll cut it all out, right? No, because they want the same trash. I tell you, this is never going to end. It's going to keep happening. They're going to keep extracting value. Bitcoin's at what, like $27,000 right now? A month ago, it was at like fifteen. It. It is almost doubled. And I'll tell you why, man. There's a lot of reasons why we're seeing Bitcoin go up. People are flocking out of the US dollar because of this. The only option anyone sees is the mass printing of money. But what you got to understand about the money is that it is the it is the oil for the engine, not the fuel. And a lot of people don't understand, especially on the left. They think the money is the fuel. no. It, it, it lubricates the machine, allows the machine to churn. The fuel is the individual who works. And they're not right now. The, the, the economy is still mostly shut down and they're making it worse. They're shutting down more. It will only get worse. New York has been completely destroyed. OK, maybe a little hyperbolic, completely destroyed. It's funny when I see these uppity, you know, well-to-do leftists who are walking around New York like everything's fine. People are eating food. And they ignore like central Brooklyn or the Lower East Side and places like that where things aren't going so well. And it is a ghost town and people are being evicted like crazy. And then the mayor says, now's our chance to buy up the property. It's almost like like RoboCop or some movie where the the evil politician just, you know, hires a bunch of, you know, local hoodlums to destroy property. So the value tanks and they can buy it up at a cheap price. It's like an old 80s movie. That's how bad bad it is. But they're going to keep doing it. I'll tell you one of the problems. It was Democrats who destroyed the economy. Trump's response is from the left. Imagine this, Donald Trump criticizing and attacking Democrats from the left, and they laughed about it. But Trump isn't wrong, and it's not necessarily from the left. It's more from a populist standpoint, but it's certainly not from the right. If you're talking about the right from a you know free market position, Donald Trump is saying, get rid of the pork, and if you do, you can easily reduce the cost of the spending bill, And you can increase the amount of money regular people get. Probably the right move because otherwise you have a bunch of people become homeless. But maybe the real right move should be for people who are facing mass eviction and small businesses. They need to just open. But it's crazy to think how uh, how terrified people in these cities are. My friends, we are faced with an even more serious problem than just covid. We're faced the problem of alternate worldviews, alternate realities. And it's not just about Trump. This is important. They like to say that you've got the pro-Trump cult and you got the anti-Trump orange man bad, whatever. No, no, no. Listen, there are people in cities. Okay, I'll tell you this because, you know, I I live close enough to a city, but I'm kind of in the middle of I'm I'm pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I'll put it that way. But I'm not like hard rural, you know, hours away from civilization. I'm close to some cities close enough. I see people wearing masks while riding bikes through the woods. Like, what are you doing? There's no one around you. You're not going to get or give anything. If I ride past you, it's a split second. You don't got to wear a mask when you're riding your bike in the woods. I'm not talking about like a a wooded area in the suburbs. I'm talking about like I'm in the mountains and, you know, I see people and I'm like, that's crazy. Most people don't do that. But in cities, these people are terrified. You know, I had a conversation with some people who are in, in New York and talking about local businesses and how they should just open everything up. But the business owners are saying no one will show up. They're too scared. Democrats really, really, really figured out how to put the boot on someone's neck. I want to show you a couple things. All right. The UK has been hit with the worst recession in 300 years as country grapples with mutated COVID-19 strain. It's never going to end. So what do we do? Do we just lay down our swords, drop to our knees and say we surrender? Or do we recognize life comes with risks and we can't just give up and stop? People are going to lose their homes and everything will be destroyed. I guess that's where we're going because nothing can do about it when people are terrified. I want to show you this. This is a tweet. This video right here. This person tweeted, this is for the covidiots that try to sound smart by constantly bringing up the survival rate as an excuse to be selfish. In it, you have a woman who is a nurse, it appears, wearing a mask. And she says something like this. It's got 1.2 million views. And she goes, I want to explain something to everybody who use survival rate as an excuse. If I told you I was going to give you millions upon millions of Skittles and that 17,391,270 of those Skittles could give would make you sick and give you lingering health effects and that 320,000 of them would kill you, would you still eat the Skittles? The stupidest argument ever made. And they do it all the time. I'm so sick of it. Feeding my family and protecting myself is not eating candy, please. There's a big difference. A 0.1% risk. 0.1. Now, that's significant compared to many other things. I mean, a lot of people have died. It's nightmarish. But my friends, this is... This is a serious problem for us. First of all, to compare whether or not I get to live in my home and pay my rent or my mortgage or for my business keep my employees, uh, uh, you know, on on the job and I have to lay people off, the idea that I have to shut my business down is equivalent to eating candy. Is stupid. I tell you what. What if I told you you were starving, starving? And you, ha- you, were, you were struggling to figure out what you were gonna eat and what you were gonna drink. And I said, I have many, many bottles of water, 330 million bottles of water, and you, my friend, are dehydrated. You have to drink water. You have no choice. This is not candy. This is not you deciding to go buy a bag of candy. This is water. You need it. Now, I'm sorry, but one in a thousand of these bottles will kill you. Well, I think you'd probably be like, I'm gonna die anyway. I, I, it's better than nothing. And I said, well, a a good amount of them will actually make you sick. Yeah, well, what what are my choices? Do I just lay down and do nothing? Or do I drink nasty water? Think about it this way. I'll give you a better example. Because you might still be thinking like, man, a lot of dirty water. Okay, I'll tell you what. If you were in the middle of the woods and, and there was nothing to drink and you found a pool of water, you would drink it. If you were in the desert wandering around desperate and you found a pool of murky water you would drink it and you'd say i might get sick but it's better than the alternative now what they're saying is what if the government just takes your value away and then you know give you know and then borrows against your i'll tell you what here's 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 a better analogy using what they're doing with the COVID relief bill imagine you're in the desert and there is a pool of water that's clean and everybody's looking at it saying okay What do we do? And the Congress comes in and says, we're going to take 80 percent of this water and we're going to give it to those people in that city over there. And y'all can get a little bit. You're going to be like, bro, this is this is our water. We need this. No, no, we're going to give it away. And then Trump comes in and says, no, I'm not allowing you to give that water away right now. And then the Democrats go, it's the Republicans fault. You're not getting any water. I suppose if people are on the verge of death and they need water, some is better than none. But to be held hostage like this is crazy. You know, I, I got to add, too, I'm really sick of the Skittles thing because it's been used by a bunch of identitarians forever. And I'm not talking about leftists. I'm talking about left and right. They say, like, if, you know, if what, what did the feminists do? If you had a bowl of Skittles that represents men and one percent of them was bad, would you eat the Skittles? It's like, dude, you're talking about human beings. You have to interact with in your life. What are you going to do? Take one in a hundred people and like lock them up. That's the stupidest thing ever. These people are nuts. But I'll tell you the bigger problem we face, my friends. And it's something I refer to as the scaling problem. It probably needs a better name, like something law or something. But the idea is, as the scale, as as, I'll put it this way, as volume increases, the tolerance for failure decreases. And this is a problem. People used to die at way higher rates way back in the day than they do now. Now we have a survival rate of 99.99%. Of the people who have died, they're mostly over the age of 70 with comorbidities, so that is not the general population. So if you really want to do that Skittles thing, we could be saying, like, if you were going to eat food and 0.01%, a one in, what, 10,000 chance that you actually, you know, get sick or, or, or die. The scaling problem is serious. It is. When you look at 100 people, there's an illness. And one person dies. That's one percent. Most people are going to be like, only one person died. I mean, it's 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 horrifying. It's sad. This person died, but it was one person. Things are okay. What if you have a hundred thousand people and a thousand people die? Well, then everyone starts seeing the, the, all these stories of death nonstop, and they start panicking and freaking out. What happens if you have 330 million people and uh, 330,000 die? All of a sudden, it's all over the news. Videos of people in the hospital intubated. You're inundated over and over and over again with these with these with these images. But the percentage has not changed. As volume increases in a system, the tolerance for failure decreases. People will not accept it. Therein lies a big problem because population is going to keep increasing and then we're going to keep hearing more and more stories. And I'll tell you this, it goes the same way with the vaccine. And I'll leave, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this final point. If you have a vaccine given to a hundred people and one person gets sick, people might be like, man, I don't know about that. That's freaky. Like, I don't know. And they, they get worried, but 99%, 99% people, most people were fine. Like it was only one person chill. You hear one story. It's not about percentage. It's about what you hear. And what scares you You hear in the news? A man had an allergic reaction to the vaccine, but everyone else in the trial was fine. They're going to be like, yeah, it was one guy. What happens when you have, you know, a million people get the vaccine and then you have, you know, once again, 1% now the stories are everywhere about the dangers of the vaccine. You see people in videos saying, I can't believe it. There's one video going viral woman, woman who got Bell's palsy. And she's like, she's freaking out. She's like, and I'm not trying to be mean. Like she's, she's panicked her face. You can see it. And I get it. But this is the scaling problem. As volume in a system increases, tolerance for failure decreases. As more people receive iPhones, the tolerance for broken iPhones goes down. As more people get sick, the tolerance for death goes down. You see the point? It's information. People are, are, are getting freaked out by this. And as this problem persists, there will be criminals in government exploiting it. So look, I know many of you may be desperate and need this money. So maybe Trump should just sign it. But my fear then, and this is a luxury that I have, is that you're all being held hostage. I mean, we all are. My business is is uh, to an extent isolated from all of this, to an extent. But people got to realize too, when the when the, when the lockdown first started and they shut down businesses, my business took like a seventy percent hit, and it put me in the red for uh for about a, a month. And this is because everything I do is dependent upon ad rates. Ad rates are mostly driven by small businesses advertising their restaurants and their stores and things like that. When you can't go shopping, when everything shut down, people don't buy ads. When the businesses go, everyone goes around it. So I may be, you know, like we're on the Titanic, and I may be like sitting on like one of the higher decks. I'm not trying to be callous or brag, but the ship sinking is bad for everybody. And so maybe you just... Do the package, give away trillions of our our dollars, and then the people get a pittance. Or maybe we hold out and we make demands of Congress. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all. uh, I will see you all then on this channel. My friends, I am so absolutely sick of seeing dancing nurse videos on TikTok. And I've already seen a whole lot. It's been a year And they keep doing it. You'd think they would have learned. But I guess this is a really good example of social media reinforcement and, well, the illusion of support. If you ban all of the negative speech and all that's left is positive speech, you will be driven insane right now. There are certain individuals who have put out videos that have been critical of the vaccine. Those videos have all been deleted. There are people who put out videos cheering and dancing and, you know, booging down in the hospitals, and those videos are promoted. So guess what you get more of? Less criticism, less accountability, more nonsensical time wasting, and it makes everybody go nuts. I have this story from Daily Nurse, the pulse of nursing. Now, I don't know what Daily Nurse is, but they mention and they show videos of all the doctors doing the choreographed dance and having a good time, trying to encourage everybody to go get that vaccine. And sure, fine. But come on, you mean to tell me that when all these hospitals are overloaded and they post these pictures of like, there's like one viral photo of a nurse with her mask off and you can see the lines in her face and she looks all like, you know, messed up because she's been working long shifts wearing this PPE. There are certain hospitals that are definitely hotspots that are that are being completely inundated and most hospitals are not. And it's really frustrating because I see these videos. There's like this one there's like a bunch of viral videos of a guy going to hospitals and nothing's going on. The problem we have here is that you don't have an honest media. You don't. You don't have honest representatives. You don't. OK, now I'm, I'm going to start by, by really getting into talking about dancing nurses, but I know a lot of probably a lot of you want more serious conversation from The New York Times. How much herd immunity is enough? Scientists initially estimated 60 to 70 percent of the population needed to acquire resistance to covid to banish it. Now, Anthony Fauci and others are quietly shifting that number upward. It's not the first time that Anthony Fauci has admitted to lying to us. OK, this is the important part of this segment. I'm not going to talk about dancing nurses, but I do want to get this off my chest. And I just, I just I, I'm sorry, man. This video is going viral. I hate this BS. OK, I. it's got one point three million views. Now, I don't know what this video is, to be honest. It, it's it's got it's, it's being filmed with a really nice camera and gimbal. Makes it seem like the camera's kind of floating and there's there's good depth of field. So it might just be some promo video. But these people are dancing and it's choreographed. Here's what you need to understand. Maybe these aren't really doctors. That's the first first thing I'll say. I've already seen more than enough videos of doctors actually doing messed up stuff. Like remember when the nurses were slammed for filming themselves dancing with a body bag? No joke. They were dancing and shuffling as they carried I'm not, it's not real. It's just says, it, it's just a person in a, I don't know if it's a person, but it's just them carrying a body, which is absolutely insane. But you get videos like this, and there's just something I have to say about this, okay? At a time when we're being told, the end is nigh, Anthony Fauci says, don't worry, we can accomplish herd immunity, and then he keeps moving the goalposts, so he was lying the whole time. When he told us earlier this year, don't wear masks, he was wrong, and then he admitted it was all on purpose. Because they were worried they wouldn't get masks for the important people. That's right. That's authoritarianism. The idea that you're too stupid as an individual, that your rights don't matter, and that we should withhold information from you because we're smarter than you. Now, there are real consequences and there are real problems with liberty and freedom. With more liberty and freedom comes more risk. And that's the choice this country made a long time ago. Those that would give up freedom for a little bit of security deserve neither and will lose both. That's something we need to recognize as we see these absurd videos claiming that, you know, point one percent, you know, likelihood of, of dying so far. And mostly if you're above the age of 70 is grounds for shutting down the entire global economy to me is irresponsible and ridiculous. Because it's just going to keep getting worse. And while they destroy small businesses, while they strip away your right to work, and then you see videos going viral with millions of views of choreographed dancing from nurses. You want to know why people probably are losing faith or, or losing, you know, hope? It's because of things like this. You tell me that you're overrun. You tell me we're desperate. You tell me things couldn't get any worse. And then you start doing, you know, a little shuffle dance. Here's what I want to say about this. The nurses that are doing the choreographed dancing are not just taking breaks. That's the lie. They say these nurses are just, you know, morale boosting and they're taking breaks. Things are stressful at the hospital and taking a few minutes, to do a little dance. Well, that's important because it makes people feel calm, makes them feel better when they're witnessing all of this death. Full stop. Don't even say it. Did you watch any of these videos? Some of them are silly nonsense, like people just shuffling in the hallway. We got one video that, that's been around since May 24th. I don't, again, I want to be very careful. In this video, you have someone filming and complaining that all of these nurses or whatever are dancing, mopping, and waving their arms, and they're like, Why are we waiting? We're patients. Why can't we see a doctor? Why can't we get in? Why can't we see a nurse? Oh, because they were sitting here for a couple minutes getting ready for the TikTok to do their little shuffle dance. Okay, fine, fine. Maybe these shuffling people waving their arms were all on break and unnecessary at a time of crisis. Fine, fine. But I've seen more than enough videos of choreographed dancing. Now, these people aren't good at dancing. Okay, this is important. They're not good at dancing. But someone at least taught them what the dance was. You don't get someone on a 15 minute break and say, "Okay, everybody dance. We're going to film it. You say, here are the moves. So that probably takes a little while. Now, more importantly, some of these videos aren't just like a basic 30 second, you know, uh, cor- uh, 30 seconds of choreography where they do like two steps forward, two steps back, shuffle to the left, shuffle to the right, wave your arms like you could teach someone that very quickly. And based on their you know lack of skill, I'd imagine it was very, very quickly. But some of these are more intricate than that. Some of these show the doctors in multiple settings. There's in this, I don't, again, this video is probably not a good example because I don't know if it's a music video or what the deal is, but I've seen other videos where you have nurses wearing the same clothes in different parts of the hospital. So you mean to tell me they cleared out this part of the hospital, moved them around and had them had them dance in a specific way? That takes all day. Oh, was the hospital closed? Either way, I look at that and I get angry. I get angry because Fauci has been lying to us and they say it's for our own good. It's important that the hospitals got the PPE and the regular people didn't. Fine. But I don't like being treated like lesser than or disposable. And I'm sure a lot of people don't. Now, look, I I work a lot. I work all all the time. Uh, My business is successful and I'm fortunate enough to have gotten out of these cities. But a lot of other people aren't. So I can only imagine other people are just way more angry, way angrier than I am when they see this stuff. This is this is the big the big breaking news. And and let me let me let me tell you something. One TikTok nurse did lose her job because she was bragging about how the the rules for wearing a mask were pointless or whatever. And then she ended up getting fired. So you mean to tell me you can come out and say this is ridiculous nonsense. I'm not going to do it. You're fired. But you can spend a day going around the hospital doing various dances over and over again, no matter how much criticism comes out. And it's fine. I'll tell you this. And then we'll read the Fauci stuff. This is because everybody probably hates it, but they found their audience. And that's all that matters. That's it. Let me tell you how social media censorship works. You've got various subcultures and groups of people. Some of these groups post really insane things, racist, garbage, nonsense. And they have their community. And then Twitter and social media bans that community. And they're gone. That's it. People stop posting this stuff. Then you have dancing nurses, Well, social media companies don't care about that, so they leave it alone. And if anything, they promote it because journalists will start promoting it. Then more and more people start doing it. Then you get massive waves of really cringeworthy, annoying and insulting videos. These people dancing. Why? Why? Imagine if I went to a funeral and I started just dancing. I'm like, get the TikTok out, everybody. We're gonna do a choreographed dance right in front of the casket. They think dancing in a hospital during a pandemic. When people, when 300,000, 327,000 people or so were dead, they've shut down the economy. Everybody's suffering. It's like going to a funeral wearing bright colors. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. They're wearing their scrubs. It's like going to a funeral, all wearing funeral clothes and then doing a, yo, wave your arms, everybody. Woo. And start clapping and cheering for are you nuts. Yeah. And while all that is going down, this is what we get from the likes of Dr. Anthony Fauci. The New York Times put up the story on uh, Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, I wonder why. Many of you may have noticed uh, I wasn't working on Christmas Eve, Christmas, or the day after Christmas, and there's a reason for that. Well, most people aren't consuming news. Most of the news would fall on de- on deaf ears. Just, you know, I actually saw a lot of YouTubers who tried to upload on Christmas, and they were like, okay, I'm deleting the video, and I'll post it back again next week. Because, Well, because you put it up, and people are spending time with their families. The New York Times puts out this very, very critically important story on Christmas Eve, a time when most people probably will not see it. In the world of PR, let me tell you something. It is said that Apple always does their releases on Tuesdays. I don't know if that's still true, but it was true for a long time. The reason is, on Monday, everybody's eyes are like glazed over and they're like, I can't wait for the weekend. On Tuesday, they're back in the thick of things like, all right, it's Tuesday. I'm at work. Here we go. You put out on Tuesday. And internet traffic is slowly on the up. So on Sunday, traffic slowly returns. Saturday is the worst day. Sunday, it starts to return. Monday's okay. Tuesday is high. Wednesday's the best. You put your release out on a Tuesday. Wednesday hits hard. You get a lot of traffic, a lot of views, a lot of shares. Goes down a little Thursday. Goes down a lot Friday. And then falls off Saturday. Starts to recover on Sunday. That's important information for those who are wondering why news stories often come out on Fridays. Friday nights, for instance. The worst possible day. You'll notice big breaking stories, really important stories, like the DOJ will make an announcement or someone will do something. Friday night, you have this story on Christmas Eve. This Christmas Eve may be the worst possible day to put out any piece of content. Because you want to put out your content the day before a big traffic day. The day before the release of some, you know, product or movie that you're going to piggyback off of everyone's interested in, right? Christmas Day, people are waking up. And they're spending time with their families and they're not reading the news. And this story drops. Donald G. McNeil Jr. for The New York Times writes, at what point does a country achieve herd immunity? What portion of the population must acquire resistance to the coronavirus, either through infection or vaccination, in order for the disease to fade away and life to return to normal? Since the start of the pandemic, the figure that many epidemiologists have offered has been 60 to 70 percent. That range is still cited by the World Health Organization and is often repeated during discussions of the future course of the disease. Although it is impossible to know with certainty what the limit will be until we reach it and transmission stops, having a good estimate is important. It gives Americans a sense of when we can hope to breathe freely again. Recently, a figure to whom millions of Americans look for guidance, Dr. Anthony Fauci, an advisor to both Trump and the incoming Biden administration, has begun incrementally raising his herd immunity estimate. In the pandemic's early days, Fauci tended to cite the same 60 to 70 percent estimate that most experts did about a month ago. He began saying 70, 75 in television interviews. And last week he said 75, 80, 85 percent and 75 to 80 plus percent. In a telephone interview the next day, Dr. Fauci acknowledged he had slowly but deliberately been moving the goalposts he is doing so, he said, partly based on new science and partly on his gut feeling. The country is finally ready to hear what he really thinks. Are you kidding me? Throughout this whole year, we relied on you to be telling us what was going on and you weren't telling us what you really thought. This is insane. We have no press. We have no legitimate Information being disseminated from the media organizations in this country. And the story comes out. Amazing. Amazing. Christmas Eve. The day that no one is going to read it. Bravo. That's how you minimize news stories. And so now they can always come out and say, we, we, we weren't, we were lying. We, we told all of you. You knew exactly what the, what the game was. Or maybe only those who are truly involved in politics will have read a story like this. So let me tell you why uh, I'm doing this segment. If I were to look up in the dictionary or an encyclopedia, figurative gut punch, it would be these stories. Dancing nurses having a good old time and laughing and choreographing while people are dying. And Anthony Fauci saying, yeah, I'm lying to you. I'm not really telling you what's going on. What did you think? The government would tell you the truth? Yeah, well. Let's not make that mistake, huh? I want to tell you what's really fascinating about this story. They talk about how the World Health Organization says 60 to 70 percent still. That range is still cited by the World Health Organization. Well, my friends, as you know, I'm very cognizant of YouTube's rules. And it is very important for me that I make sure I'm abiding by YouTube's rules because YouTube knows best, right? They know what's best for us. <laughs> you masses are too dumb. So YouTube's enacted a bunch of rules to keep you safe. OK, one of those rules is that you can't publish videos that go against the World Health Organization. YouTube, I would like you to please go to what is this CNBC and ban this video from Fauci and remove other videos from Fauci, who is clearly going against World Health Organization guidelines and spewing non-science. What was that? You won't do it. I'm not surprised. They're not actually going to take down anything from Fauci. It's ridiculous. The rules make no sense. What we have is a ruling class elites who can say and do whatever they want. They can get their hair done. They can go out to eat like Newsom. You got Lightfoot, Whitmer uh, and who's the other one? Lightfoot, Whitmer and Pelosi. That's right. I'll get in there. I'll get in their hair uh, uh, done because they have to be on TV. I'm sure there were others. That's where the meme came from of I need a haircut, too, or something like that. These people are allowed to break the rules. Dr. Burks herself went and visited her family on Thanksgiving. Photos come out and they're like, you're the ones who said we can't do this. And she goes, but my, my parents were depressed and not eating. What about the rest of our families? Do you think they're not depressed? We're just all the families of great mental fortitude, but your family was too weak. Well, she's talking about early retirement now. My friends, it is rules for thee, but not for me. YouTube has rules. Dr. Fauci can lie, cheat and steal all he wants. And that's allowed. And you know what? After just saying that, I could get this video banned from YouTube. So if this video is still up, please consider sharing it to show people. I have a story from the New York Times that says definitively, Dr. Fauci is going against the World Health Organization. They say the World Health Organization is citing 60 to 70 percent And it is often repeated during discussions of the future course of the disease. But Fauci is saying 75 to 80 plus percent. He is going to be freaking people out. You should. should, This is wrong. Fauci is wrong. The World Health Organization said 60 to 70. Why do we sit back and just accept this from a guy who keeps lying? This is a story from June 16th, 2020. Fauci, why the public wasn't told to wear masks when the coronavirus pandemic began. And he straight up admits it. He straight up admits it. He also acknowledged that masks were initially not recommended to the general public so that first responders wouldn't feel the strain of a shortage of PPE. He explained the public health experts were concerned. The public health community and many people were saying this were concerned that it was at a time when personal protective equipment, including the N95 mask and the surgical mask were in very short supply. By early April, the strategic national stockpile had been depleted. And around the same time, President Trump invoked the Defense Production Act to have manufacturing chains across the U.S. focus on making vital medical equipment such as ventilators and masks. Fauci continued to say that they wanted to give as many as masks as possible to frontline workers and emergency personnel. Quote, we wanted to make sure that the people, namely the healthcare workers who were brave enough to put themselves in a har- uh, in a harm way, in harm's way, to take care of people who you know were infected with the coronavirus and the danger of them getting infected. Fauci concluded as for how long Americans will need to wear masks or at least be advised to wear them. That may depend on new case numbers. Listen, I want to tell you what's going on. Okay, Fauci initially lied about masks. Many said, no, 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 the science changed. Initially, they were like, don't wear masks. And then they realized you need to wear a mask. That is not true. Medical professionals always needed the masks. Now, think about that. I remember back when they started, you know, planning for the lockdowns. When they banned travel, they were saying, you don't need to wear a mask, you know, but they were wrong. And they were saying it while also saying medical professionals professionals need masks. And we were like, if masks don't do anything, why do the doctors need them? Clearly they do. And they weren't being forthright. So, yes, it was a lie. We now know that Dr. Fauci was doing it because he was concerned if everybody ran out and bought PPE, there would be none for doctors. I understand that. And there are real consequences. But maybe instead of lying, you should have just went out and got masks and then told the people the truth. More importantly, don't people deserve to know the truth? Is it the role of government to lie to everyone? The government is supposed to be for of and by the people, not not elites who are smarter dictating what we can or can't do. And that's where we are today. Dancing nurses while they they're they're mocking us. They're laughing in our faces. These people still have jobs. I know it's not, you know, for a lot of them, it might be bad, but there are a lot of hospitals that are not over, overly strained. This is what people need to realize you'll see all the you'll see all the messages where they're like, the hospital is overrun. What do we do? Yes, that, that's that's happening. Then you'll see what you won't see is the people saying not every hospital is overrun. Many of those videos will get banned outright. Videos critical of Fauci will be banned. This video might get deleted. No joke. They get rid of any contradictory information so you can't make up your own mind because they think they're smarter and better than you and they want to control you. That's not what this country was founded on, and it's not what made this country successful and great. This country was founded on limited government, but it really was founded on the principles that there were, as they quote, say, as they said about senators, better men. I don't necessarily agree with that concept. But there was an idea of some kind of established meritocracy or some kind of privy access, a combination of the will of the people and the will of the states. That's what the Senate and the House, were. they were different. We're not a direct democracy. Just because you want something doesn't mean it's yours. We are a constitutional republic with elected representatives. And sometimes, uh, going back to the, the start of this country, senators were chosen by the state representatives. So it wasn't direct. It, it, it wasn't. Things have become more so that way. But now we have this sort of, you know, paradoxical system. You know, it's kind of a uh, multi-personality government, I'll put it, where they claim we're a democracy over and over again. But then the elites can do whatever they want, control whatever they want, and tell us what to do and when to do it while lying to us. It's because we're not really a democracy. We never were. But Democrats and establishment elites rely on low information voters. They either want us fighting with each other or believing stupid things. So we vote for stupid things and then they go off and do whatever they want, launder money or they outright lie about what's going on. At a certain point, I guess there's a growing number of people who are paying attention and are sick to their stomachs watching these insane dancing nurses and getting angrier and angrier about it. I wish I had a job where I didn't have to work and could just dance around. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, huh? I mean, in all honesty, I like my job. I like doing what I do. And I'm sure you like doing what you do. But they shut your business down. They kicked you out of your job. They won't let you do it. You don't even get to film yourself dancing while working, your, you know, working at your business. But these people in hospitals who clearly have time on their hands to practice choreography have no problem. Now, this video I'm showing specifically, I think it's from Spain or something. I don't think it's from America. And I'm not even sure it's real doctors. It might just be a music video or something. But look, we've seen more than enough of these dancing nurse videos. And there are still some that just came out recently where, you know, the vaccine comes out and they all start dancing again. And they're doing choreography. That means they at least practiced a little bit. What a waste of time and an insult. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the lies. And I'm sure you are as well. And if their goal was really to help people... They wouldn't be lying like this. They would be being honest, reasonable, and rational. You can say something very, very simple. You know, we're all stressed out. We're here for you. Let's, uh, you know, let's do the best, best we can. Instead, the TikTok videos are designed to give them followers and make them feel good and give them likes. It solves nothing. And it makes people feel bad and angry. Like you're just using this. I want to make this point one more time and I'll wrap it up. What they're doing, to me, is no different than dancing at a funeral, showing up to a funeral where people are crying, and then dancing around and doing a shuffle dance and waving their arms in the air while filming it and putting it up on the internet to get likes. It's disgusting. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com, I'm sorry, YouTube.com forward slash TimCast, or you can search for Tim Pool on YouTube. It is, in fact, a different channel. Again, type in YouTube.com forward slash TimCast ignore the name. You will find a different channel. Trust me. I'll see you there at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out.